episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Welcome to episode 39 of Loaded Sport, where today we are going to be previewing this weekend's action. It is the return of the FA Cup, and it is towards that point now that if you win, you're on your way to Wembley. Even if it's not for an FA Cup final, you can still make your way there. We'll, of course, get Kemp's thoughts on the way when he uh, talks about Sheffield United and their potential of getting there by beating a side that's just below them in the championship table. We'll also be discussing another series of Kempe's Combat Corner and looking to the final weekend of the Six Nations. Joining me to go through it, I'll introduce him first, as I've just mentioned his name. Kemp, how are you doing? Mr Dawson, man with the mic. How are we doing, chaps? It's fight week, baby. Woo! It is. Are you good? Oh, mate. I am so excited for this weekend. Not only are the Mighty Blades in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, potentially punch our ticket to the semi-final and another trip to Wembley where I'm sure I'll see Sheffield United lose once again. But we've got the UFC in London. Um, Edwards versus Usman, three. Oh my God, what a weekend we've got coming up and here we are on Loaded Sport to preview it. Adam, I'm amazing, mate. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Probably not as uh, hyped up as yourself, but um, I guess that's what you get for supporting a National League team instead of a side that can make it this far in the FA Cup. Is what it is. There you go. There uh, you go. And it's not foreign to us because this time, nine years ago, I believe, we were in a very similar position. Where The last time I went to see Sheffield United at Wembley was Sheffield United versus Hull in the FA Cup semi-final. So, fingers crossed, we can repeat that feat, get to the semi-final, and hopefully, who knows, any given Sunday, as Dawson says, go one more. Yeah, and that brings me on nicely to introduce him. There's been plenty of NFL action, which I'm sure we'll start decoding a little bit later in the episode. Skin, how are you doing? You've been enjoying the uh, the free agency talk? I have, mate, and decoding's a new one. I like it. Uh, but yeah, very well, mate. There's a, a lot of stuff to talk about coming up for this weekend. I've got a little bit of second-hand excitement off of Kemp for his weekend. I can't wait to get tucked into Kempy's combat corner and... I'm more excited to hear the breakdown of the plans for his weekend as as much as I am for for the action. So yeah, I'm I'm absolutely buzzing for the lad. I know how much it means to him. I know how excited he is. I know how much he's had to pay to be in the building. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait for him. So yeah, I'm I'm buzzing, mate. I'm really well. How are you? And, and you said you're doing well. You're never going to be as hyped up as Kemp or, or anyone for that matter, mate. That's not why you're here. That's not what we expect from you. So don't worry about it. But what are your plans for the weekend? Um, working on Saturday, Chesterfield, the early kickoff away against Woking. So that should be uh, interesting, at least by three o'clock. I know we've already lost out on three points. And Sunday, Formula One is back as well. So it'd be nice to see uh, the cars back on track. Um, I already know that, uh, that Max Verstappen's turned up late. So he's going to be a little bit behind everyone else. But it should be interesting to uh, talk about a little bit later on. And of course, we've not yeah, even he's, mentioned... He's poorly, isn't he? But... He has been a bit poorly, but I'm sure he'll still finish first and that'll make him feel a little bit better. Um, we're yep. also talking, forgot about the listener lock-in that's on the way. Of course, Chris Big last week uh, got the same score as Paul, both joint top of the leaderboard now. Who is it that's taking part this week? Uh, Joe Landers is joining us this week. He's a big Derby fan, he's a big UFC fan, and uh, speaking to him early t- earlier today, he's put a lot of research and a lot of work into his picks. So I'm hoping that work pays off and we have either a third entry at the top of the leaderboard or a new outright leader come early next week when we're reviewing the weekend. So, yeah, should be a good one. 
Certainly. So, so I think the best place to start is, of course, the announcement that came out on Thursday. England's European qualifying squad. It has been announced. The side that is going to be taking part in the next couple of games for England. Gareth Southgate's named his team. So I'm just going to run through it and then I'm going to ask you both a couple of questions on the back of it about the team that he's selected. I look forward to hearing uh, Kempe's views on Southgate once again. The goalkeepers <laughs> are Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope and Aaron Ramsdale. The defenders, Ben Chilwell, Eric Dyer, Mark Gray, Rhys James, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker. Midfielders, Jude Bellingham, Conor Gallagher, Jordan Henderson, James Madison, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. And the forwards, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka and Ivan Tony. But we know Gareth Southgate well enough to know that even though I've mentioned the positions there, there's a good chance none of them are actually going to be playing in those positions. So Kemp, I'm going to come across to you first. Of the players that I've just mentioned, are there any players missing out that you feel should be in, in that England squad? Bakayo Tomori. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I've not expanded on it is because at this point it's just complete apathy for me. Um, I've got angry about Southgate before. I've been disappointed with Southgate before. I, I, every emotion when it comes to that man, I've been through it. I've, I've told you boys from the very, very beginning, he's not the man. He's not going to do it. He's not got what it takes. I've been proven right. We don't need to go, you know, tread over old ground. Um, it's it's uninspiring it's boring it's the same old faces it's Calvin Phillips who's played next to no minutes for City whether it be his fault or not and then for Kayo Tomori who's been an absolute stalwart for AC Milan this season um, and he's, he's, he's nowhere near and it's just at this point if I were for Kayo Tomori I would change my allegiances to Canada because he was born in Canada, and yeah, I would uh, I would play international football for them as well because no matter what he does, no matter how well he plays, no matter what he does for AC Milan, it's quite clear that Gareth Southgate is absolutely incapable of picking anybody who isn't deemed in the media's eyes as one of the best, you know, the best player in the in in the country because they play for City, United, Liverpool, or or Arsenal or whatever. So. Complete apathy for the bloke. Can't wait to get the next Euros out of the way so we can sack him and uh, and move on. Because I'm, yeah, I've 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 completely um, switched off to England, and uh, it's not a great place to be in. Because I love international football, but yeah, it is what it is, Adam. At this point, I don't know what else to say about him. No, that that's fair. Skin. Is there anybody other than uh, we've just did Kemp mentioned then Calvin Phillips being named in the squad? Anybody else in that squad that you think perhaps isn't worthy of that place at the moment? Well, he's took me answer now, so... I, I mean, as a Manchester United fan, yeah, what's your thoughts on Harry Maguire bad, then? Sorry about yeah, that. Sorry yeah, about yeah. That, yeah. Rate, rate bad, mate. Rate bad, mate. But just to jump on that, because I was thinking of, of Calvin Phillips and then, uh, you know, when we were talking about who should be in, and naturally that means someone has to be replaced. Um, Manchester City have played 71% of their Premier League games this season. Calvin Phillips has played a total of 56 minutes in the Premier League so far this season, which means for for the season so far, which is 27 games, he has played in a 2% of the Premier League season, which is pretty outrageous, really, when you think about it. You, th you know, who replaces him? Yes, there's not really sort of any out-and-out, out, outright, sorry, out-and-out out world-class midfielders that have been left out or anything like that, but even a, a James Ward-Prowse, who has been fantastic for a struggle in Southampton, he he leads the league in miles covered. He's right up there in terms of interceptions. His free kicks and his set piece is something that we've always discussed. So 
let's face it, will Calvin Phillips be playing in these games? Probably not. It'll likely be Jude and Rice like it was at, at the World Cup. But I, I thought we were moving away from this whole, as Kemp mentioned, it was, it was based on who you played for, not necessarily how well you were playing. So, yeah, for someone to come in who's, who's played 2% of the Premier League season, uh, you know, nearly three quarters of the way through, it's yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning. But other players you you mentioned there, Adam, you were going to say about being a Man United fan. Harry Maguire's in there again. That's a bit of a tough one because we know how well Maguire fits into that system. But again, he's probably played about the equivalent of three games over the Premier League season. So again, when you look at a player like Atamori, who's been pretty much consistent and played almost every game in Italy. For Serie A, there seems to be this kind of stigma about playing abroad, which I know is working for Jude, but I don't really know what else Tomori can do to be getting a getting a sort of looking to the squad, especially when there's Crystal Palace defenders in there who haven't won a game this year, and we're nearly three months of the way through it. And again, players that have not played the the equivalent of three games in the Premier League season so far this year. So, yeah. Uh, we, we've we've had the discussion so many times about Southgate and the England setup and everything else like that, but yeah, it's just it's hard to keep trying to justify it into it. But and again, I, I couldn't care less about these games. They they, they always sail through qualifiers. The Nation League doesn't matter for anything. Um, so yeah, they're going to be in the Euros because they always are. But it's what happens next that matters most, and that's the most concerning thing. So yeah, what but what about you, Aggie? Um, I've got to agree with the Tomori aspect. I think that he's more than deserved a call-up. I don't know why Harry Maguire is in there. I think that could be a straight swap. I know he's got a bit of leadership, but if you're taking Kyle Walker and, and Kieran Trippier, Luke Shaw, they're, they're quite experienced themselves now. And, and looking at that defence in general, they're actually quite an experienced bunch. So taking someone like Tomori who doesn't have that international experience, he's going to be surrounded by players that could help him anyway. Um, similar to what you said with Calvin Phillips, I've been trying to think since you mentioned it of a midfielder for England that could maybe make their way into that team in place of Calvin Phillips and I really can't but considering the fact that we don't tend to use that many midfielders we could probably sacrifice him for another attacking player and I don't really want to say another defensive player because it'll probably be a right back and we'll end up taking Trent Alexander-Arnold or something but yeah but even even a, even a world, world prowess again yes he plays for Southampton yes they're struggling but with how he's played as an individual when you look at his stats this season you you cannot justify to me why Calvin Phillips is in the squad? I'm not. Just I'm not because he plays the squad. Not you personally. Not you personally. But you're saying about who do you replace him with? Like it's never going to be an out and out world class midfielder because we we haven't got that outside of the current squad. But how can you justify picking Calvin Phillips ahead of a Ward Prowse? Just as one one example. Adam, I don't know if you've been. I think you mentioned you've just been through the the squad, and and obviously we've seen who Southgate has decided that he wants to take. Mm-hmm. Is Joe Joe Willock's not in there? No, is Joe no. Willock fit? Yeah, um, okay. I think he's fit. Um, yeah, but he's not in there. Okay, Jacob Ramsey is he fit? Is he fit at the minute? Uh, nope. No, I'm, okay. Sorry, sorry, he's not in there. Right, but, I but think he's fit? fit. Yeah, I think he is. Right, so this is so this is the thing, right? And this is what really sort of, sort of gets my goat about Gareth Southgate. Dawson's just mentioned there. We're going to qualify, right? Let's be honest. And the chances are he's going to play Rice and he's going to play Bellingham. Okay, and we understand that and that's that's fine. But why is he taking Calvin Phillips, who's played, like Dawson said, 50 minutes for, for City? When Give him credit, mate. He's played 56 minutes. 56 minutes. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a name. 
why can't he take a younger player, somebody with a little bit of potential, somebody that in the future might be part of the England setup, somebody from the under 23s, somebody to bring on for with five minutes left just to give him a bit of experience and a cap. I don't understand. Why can't it. he I take Macaulay Langstaff? I don't, mate, I would rather. I would rather. And and the thing is as well, and 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 we've. I want to slightly touch on this before we move on. The Ivan Tony situation. We had that conversation before the World Cup. Is he going to take Tony or oh, this betting scandal? Is he going to take Tony? And the the vast majority of people were saying, "Oh no, it's this betting scandal. He's not going to take him because of this. He's not going to take him because of the problems that he's got and and all this controversy surrounding him." Right. That's still going on now. And up to recent weeks, they were finding more and more bets that Tony placed that he wasn't allowed to do, right? So the betting scandal is still going on now. He's put him in this squad and he didn't put it in the last one. And I'm t- and I told you at the time, and I told every fucker at the time who'd listened to me where Perry is, that he didn't leave him out because of the betting scandal. He left him out because he's fucking incapable. And now, he's, he's miraculously, he doesn't give a shit now whether he's betting or not. It's get him in, get him in now. It don't fucking matter. Honest to God, I, I fucking said that I weren't bothered. And I said I wasn't going to get riled up about him, but the stupid fucking big nosed cunts wound me up again. <laughs> Welcome back to international football. Uh, right, yeah. okay. So before Kemp ends up in uh, in more trouble from the uh, explicit language, we're going to move on to uh, talking about the FA Cup this weekend. But I will ask you both uh, for Monday get together at your 11 that you'd have starting and making the trip to Italy out of the uh, team that Gareth Southgate's announced for the European qualifiers. So uh, that'll be for Monday. Uh, let's move on to talking about the Premier League, some, uh, the Premier League, the FA Cup this weekend, something that, Kemp, you can probably get a little bit more excited about. Sheffield United Oof. against Blackburn with a win. Calm me down. Can make your way to Wembley. Talk us through uh, how excited you are and what you think the chances are for Sheffield United. Yeah, that's calmed me down a bit, to be fair, talking about the match of late. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we uh, played last night, Sunderland away, got a, a really, really good win um, with, with Middlesbrough dropping points as well. So, yeah, a, a real bonus for us going into this weekend. Um, gun to my head, what do I want? A semi-final of the FA Cup or promotion? Obviously, I want promotion. But I, I think it's really good for us that we've we've got that momentum now going into the this weekend's game. Um, Blackburn away, I, I had Blackburn down as my wild card and, and they won, regrettably, um, but it was a, a fairly close game and, and I do think we'll, we'll get it done. I think we're, we'll be a little bit too strong for them and, and, and like I say, we've, we're picking up a little bit of form. So, yeah, I, I do rate our chances. It wouldn't surprise me massively if we lost, but I wouldn't be too devastated if we lost either because we can just then focus on the league. Um, but very excited at the prospect of going down to Wembley. It's always a good trip. Um, and excited at the prospect of playing one of the big boys down at Wembley because, you know, like Dawson said, any given Sunday. So it's exciting. It's good. Sheffield United, um, we've got to a few cup semi-finals and, and stuff in my time. So it's 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 always exciting when that does happen. Um, and hopefully David Seaman's not playing in this one because I don't think I can take that again. No, that was a, a, an incredible save. I still play that through in my <laughs> mind sometimes. So I'm just going to ask you, and I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here, because, of course, Sheffield United play Blackburn midday on Sunday. Um, it is the quarterfinals. There are three other games. Manchester City against Burnley, which we'll come on to in a moment. Manchester United against Fulham. And Brighton against Grimsby. Now, if you were to beat Blackburn, the best-case scenario is you get Brighton or Grimsby. There's a very real chance that an informed Sheffield United could make their way to Wembley for a second time this season. Is that on your mind at all? Mate, there's a possibility that Sheffield United could play at Wembley three times this season. Well, 
There is. Um, which I don't think I'd be able to take in terms of my uh, my, my heart rate. I think it'd explode. But, and, and his wallet. And my wallet, yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> the, the bigger concern, I must admit. But, but yeah, no, obviously, if, if Grimsby do the impossible and then we get them at Wembley, I mean, that is just a dream scenario because then somehow we're going down to Wembley for the FA Cup semi-final and we're the, we're the overwhelming favourites, which is absolutely ridiculous. I don't think it will happen. I'd love it if it did, uh, as my man Kevin Keegan says. But I, 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 it, it's one of them. It's FA Cup semi-final. You can't expect at this point to have an easy draw. So we take on whoever. Wembley, when you're more than likely going to be the underdogs, it's just nice for, for a day out. So... Looking forward to it no matter what. But yeah, if, if it's Brighton, Fulham or Grimsby, I must admit, I will be, uh, or even Burnley, I will be looking at it a little bit more favourably than if we get one of the uh, one of the big boys. So, fingers crossed. And that brings me on nicely to the quarterfinal game that's taking place at 5.45 on Saturday. Manchester City hosting Burnley. Second in the Premier League against first in the Championship. Vincent Company returning to his old stomping ground, this time as a manager. I've learned quite a lot from Pep Guardiola. On paper, a lot of people are just expected to be Man City, but that's two sides that are in relatively good form at the moment. So, Skin, I'm going to come over to you. What are you expecting from that game? A close game, or do you think it's just going to be the straightforward City domination? It should be, in theory, be a straightforward City domination. It'll be a great occasion for Vincent Company. I'm sure he'll be welcomed with open arms, with City fans expecting a relatively comfortable win. It'll be a good test for Burnley, with them looking extremely likely and, and pretty much guaranteed that they'll be in the Premier League this season. So I'm sure it'll, it'll be a little bit of a, a trial game. But yeah, I do I do see City winning by sort of two or three goals, to be honest. But it is the FA Cup. Anything can happen. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really see it, despite Burnley's fantastic form this season. If it was against maybe a bottom half club, but City are a different level, aren't they? And they've just come off the back of a 7-0 win in the Champions League. So, yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if Burnley managed to pull anything off this weekend. OK, rather depleted fixture list for the Premier League because of the FA Cup. But in just a few moments' time, we'll be back to uh, see the 11th contestant in the listener lock-in. Welcome back to episode 39 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for the listener lock-in. We're going to see if uh, Joe can come on and take the place of number one spot. You've got a good score to beat now because we've got both Chris and Paul uh, at top of the leaderboard, having got three last week. So, Joe, welcome to Loaded Sport. How are you? More good, thank you. Good, good. Are you all ready for the, the listener lock-in? I've heard you've been doing a lot of research ready for it. I think I was over-prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I sent, I, sent the pic- I sent the picture to you and I picked about 55 different selections, but no, I've narrowed it down to two. Well, for the team and the player anyway. No wrong with uh, like over-preparing for it. So, Joe, just tell <laughs> us a little bit about the team you support and why. Um, I'm a Derby fan for my sins. Um, and it wasn't much of a choice, to be honest with you. It was, um, you're a Derby fan and that's that. I remember asking my dad to be a Man U fan when I was about seven, and he said I could, but he'd never buy me a birthday or Christmas present ever again. So, <laughs> so uh, Seems like from, a then on, deal. <laughs> from then on, it was um, Derby or nothing, literally nothing. 
That's fair. That's fair. What we, think... we've we had a bit of a run of derby fans, didn't we? For I was a bit, just about to say. I was just about to say that I think now um, the listener lock-in or even Loaded Sport itself will change its name to the Derby Supporters Club because uh, for the you know we've had six or seven listener lock-ins now, or I think you're the eighth one, Joe, and uh, at least seven of them have been Derby fans. And, um, right. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting getting a good idea of uh, of their season, though, aren't we? As it goes along, I know but... more about Derby than I know about Sheffield United at this point. <laughs> what do you reckon to the season? The summer we, we've said it before. The summer was obviously filled with a lot of worries about if there was even going to be a club this season. But that was sorted, and they're they're in absolutely fantastic form, especially at the minute over the last couple of months, and they look like they're, they're definitely going to get a playoff place, if not make a late push for automatic promotion did you see that happening at the start of the season or was it more of a let's just settle down figure things out get it right and then and look at the future sort of next season and moving forward um i mean truthfully you've got to think obviously we didn't have a squad up until a couple of weeks before you know kickoff so you yeah. look at that and you think you know you've got two weeks to prepare for a full season it's not usually a good sign is it um, so no. truthfully, no. I would, if, if somebody would have said to me, you know, you're going to finish mid-table, but there'll be a bit of stability, then yeah, I would have been, you know, fair enough. You can't, you can't moan at that. I think um, automatics kind of been knocked on their head now. I think that loss to um, Plymouth was a was a bit of a killer. Um, yeah. But you know, I've, I've had my fair share of playoff heartaches and Wembley visits and stuff. So one more, <laughs> one more won't hurt. Yeah, true, very true. Bobby Zamora, I imagine, is a name that pushes you <laughs> deep anytime you hear it. But uh, Big style. Yeah, we, we, we've just been on about Wembley visits with Kent being a Sheffield United fan and, and potentially going there for the FA Cup semi-final, then potentially the final, and then even more potentially the playoff final, depending on how the rest of the season goes. So, yeah, just, just hearing that trip to Wembley gives you a bit of a... bit get, makes you a bit nervous, doesn't it? But Big time. Aggie, shall we get stuck into uh, to the locks, wild cars, and scorers, mate? I'll I'll let you open it up because you've got the wheel to hand as well for the rest of us. But let's uh, let's see who everyone's picked this weekend. Yes, so Joe, we'll get things underway uh, with yourself first of all. The team that you are most confident is going to get a win between any of the fixtures from the Premier League down to the National League. You can include the FA Cup from Friday through Sunday. Okay, I'm going for Chelsea. Ooh, okay, home to Everton. Yeah, late kickoff. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. What what makes you think that that is the team you're most confident will win? Bit of form um, recently. Do you reckon they've yeah. turned it around? Yeah, I, I was torn between them and Derby, but I've got this sort of um, omen about not betting against Derby because the amount of accumulators they've let me down on in the past. <laughs> it, it, it really, really stops me from doing anything like that. So I've gone with Chelsea. I, I was going to go City, but it's. I just feel like City got a lot on the plate. FA Cup, isn't it? Anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, so the wheel has been spun and the first name for the second consecutive week, should I say, and then in the end, is Skin. Yes, get in. I'm going to take Man City. (laughs) As I said said in the football segment, I I think it will be comfortable. Yes, Burnley have been absolutely fantastic, but City are just a cut above and they did win 7-0 midweek, so yeah, I've got a back City this week. What amazes me is both of my choices are still available, which is great because up next is Kemp. Oh, outstanding news, outstanding news. I am going to stick with the FA Cup theme and definitely take one of Adam's choices here and say Brighton and Hove Albion to beat Grimsby at home. 
amazingly, nice. that's not either of my choices. Um, my backup was... Aggies lined up Grimsby for wildcard here. <laughs> <laughs> um, my backup was Middlesbrough to win at home against Preston, but the one I'm going to go with is Plymouth to win at home against Forest Green. Plymouth the second in League One, Forest Green are bottom and don't look like surviving anytime soon. Yeah, they were my second choice, so don't blame me there. Big dunk, uh, yeah, it's not going as well as what I hoped it would. Can I just make a quick comment on these locks before we continue? I've no problem with anything that you boys have have said. And if you put a gun to my head, I'd choose the exact same predictions out of those games that that you lads have. I have picked Brighton at home against Grimsby Town. They're one to 10 on and Grimsby are 22 to one to win an individual game of football. Mm -hmm. Am I missing something? Or have you boys just completely forgot that that's a fixture? No, I just... I, I just fancied Man City and Plymouth more, to be honest. More you fancied Plymouth more than Brighton at yeah. home against Grimsby Town. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Look at what Grimsby have done. They've not got to the quarterfinals. From... I'm missing. So I'm obviously missing something. I'm obviously no, no. I, I, that that on paper is probably the most likely to come in and I feel pissed. I feel drunk. I feel drunk. I see why you've gone on. for it. I just. It's every cup, isn't it? I mean, I'd be a bit worried if you couldn't see why I've gone for it, to be honest. But we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. Apologies. Swiftly <laughs> moving on. Uh, right. So, Joe, um, a goal scorer from the same fixture list that you had the option from for the lock. Any goal scorer? Who are you going for? I was going to go Haaland, but I was worried that he might rest him. So, yes, yeah, good shout. I've gone for Macaulay Langstaff at Notts County. <laughs> yes, the lowest spot favourite. We get this quite regular, do we not? He he doesn't stop scoring at the minute, does he? He does not. And I'm fine with it because I've got Notts County winning the National League, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, No, that's fair. Going for uh, Macaulay Langstaff. In the the snake format, it means I get to go first for the goal scorer, and I'm going to revert back to the option that seems to work for me, and I'm going to go Ollie Watkins for Aston Villa against Bournemouth. He's been in fantastic form. He's still scoring on a consistent basis. And although Bournemouth seem to have turned a corner with scoring goals, they also seem to leak them. They didn't against Liverpool, but they leaked so many chances. And I think Aston Villa would probably have a better opportunity this weekend than Ollie Watkins in the form that he's in. As confident as he is, will take one of those chances. There you go. Ollie Watkins should have got in ahead of Calvin Phillips. There you go. Even though he's a striker. Yeah, I think that's a great argument. And I I naturally would back that. Right, uh, Kemp, over to you. Hello. Yeah, I am going to go with another fairly reliable fixture of uh, of loaded sport. And um, I, I must admit, I was umming and ahhing. I was thinking, mm, do I go with a Brighton player in case they do absolutely spank Grimsby at home? Do I sort of revert back to type and go somebody like Marcus Rashford or somebody like that? And to be honest with you, I've still not 100% made my decision. Um, but is that why you're just talking? Why you, yeah, you try and figure yeah, it out? Bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, but I'm going to go with Solly March for Brighton. I think he'll play. Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. Okay, uh, Skin, who are you going for? Uh, I'll take my first pick. I had two ready, and they're both still there. My backup was going to be Andy Cook for Bradford again after I backed him a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to go for David McGoldrick. He missed the last game for Derby. Um, but it has been reported today that he is back in training and ready to go for the weekend. I do think Derby will beat Fleetwood, and the Goldwick has been in phenomenal form all season, as I'm sure Joe will back up. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Goldwick. Nice. Good shout. So, 
Joe, back to you for the wild card. So any team that, according to the bookies, is not the favourite. Yeah, I looked at this and I was kind of like, does it have to be a rank outsider or a juster? Um, no, you can be a juster, mate, as long as they're right. not the favourite. Okay, okay, I've gone for Chesterfield then, away at Woking. Ooh. What's your thoughts really, behind do that? Do we really qualify as a wild card now? Are we that bad? Yeah, yeah, Woking are, yeah, are <laughs> favourites, mate. Jeez. No, no that's fair. Uh, Woking are in good form as well, so I can understand. Um, I think it's a risky yeah. one, but I like it. I like it. Yeah, they, it was... Um, I looked through, and you've got to see one that's like on a knife edge when I was looking through the betting. There was some that changed while I was actually looking at it as well. But, um, no, I think Chesterfield's a good bet there. The thing is, when they played us at our place, they weren't that good at all. But at the same time, they didn't need to be because we were that bad. We were just gifting them <laughs> goals. But times have changed since then, and we've started to turn the corner. So, hopefully, you are right. So, Skin. What was the you... result at the weekend? At the weekend, 4-0. Yeah. No, for when did you draw one-one with Yeovil? We didn't. We lost three-one to Yeovil. Uh, uh, Yeovil. That was the week before. Oh, was it? Fair yeah. enough. Maybe you are turning the corner. Then. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's over to you then for your uh, your wild card. Okay, Kem. I'm really sorry, but originally I, I did toy with the idea of going with Blackburn. Um, Mate, just as the most last likely. Time, last time the I know. Happened, so don't worry about I know. it. <laughs> but but different now, isn't it? It's at it's at Bramall Lane. It's FA Cup. But I'm I'm not going to go with that. I've, I've strayed away with that, and I do think Sheffield United um, win, whether that's in 90 minutes or anything else. But I'm going to go with Barnet to beat Notts County. Uh, Notts County. We we don't need to talk any more than we have done already the last few weeks and months about how good they are. McCoy Langstaff, as you said there, Joe can't stop scoring. And enough of us have backed him enough times this season. But at some point, they are going to lose games. They are conceding a lot. They win a lot of games, but they also concede in a lot of games too. And Barnet are all right. They're in pretty similar form to Notts County. They're toying with the idea of making a playoff run. And they are winning you know, quite a few games. So I'll take a risk on Barnet beating Notts County on Saturday. Okay, Kemp. Yeah, I am going to go with a Juster, as Joe says. Um, that is Rotherham at home against Cardiff. Um, Rotherham are 20th, Cardiff are 21st. Neither team in fantastic form. Cardiff in slightly... I, I wouldn't say they're even in better form, to be fair. Both have won two from the last five. Um, Rotherham at 9-5, to five, Cardiff 8-5. to five. It's, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a cagey one. They're both sort of battling relegation, and uh, and Rotherham at home. So uh, I feel like it's um, the the most most likely to to potentially go my way. So Rotherham at home against Cardiff City. That's a fair shout. Um, I'm sticking with the Premier League, and I'm going to go for Leeds to win away against Wolves. I know Leeds are second bottom. And Wolves are 13th at the moment. But in the Premier League at the minute, five points separates 12th from bottom. So, really, it's all still to play for. There's too close between them all. And I think Leeds, they just have something about them. And it's one of them fixtures that I'm just looking at and thinking, you know what, this has got a Leeds win written all over it. Um, yeah, so Leeds seem to be quite popular in the wildcard bet, don't they? Like you say, they seem to have something about them. And I think we forget how far down the table they are. But it is quite close as well, which I think is why... They're quite popular in a wild card pick, but I don't think they've they've come in for anyone that's picked them yet for that. No, and Wolves just seem like worse. an odd side, don't they? 
Sorry, Le- Leeds was going to be my one if it wasn't Chesterfield as well. Oh, there we go. So I've got backed up as well. Nice one. So uh, <laughs> those are the uh, the choices. So Skin, I'll let you uh, move on to the second part of the listener lock-in. Yes. Yeah, so Joe, we've got your lock, your scorer, and your wild card. So now we need to complete your potential six correct answers with three score predictions. As always, we'll go with the team that you support in the game that they are playing, and that is Derby versus Fleetwood. What's your score prediction for that one? I've got written down here 2-1, but I'm going to change it after thinking about it and listening to a few of us, and I'm going to change to 3-1. Oh, God. How fuming <laughs> are you going to be if it's 2-1 now? Well, we'll see. But I've, I've even just changed it on the pad, so that's how confident I am. <laughs> I like it. Is there talk about McGoldrick twisted your arm that there might be an extra goal in there somewhere? Yeah, I, I already I already knew that, but it's now I think about it, I think about Fleetwood, and I think, come on. You know, if we want to cement this playoff spot, we need to be going out and thrashing teams like that. I like it. I like it. I like that. You sure you don't want to go 3 0? No, 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 no. I'm not changing twice. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. 3 1 sounds fair to me. Uh, Next one is the game we've just been talking about FA Cup Sunday at 12 o'clock. Sheffield United versus Blackburn for a spot in the FA Cup semi final at Wembley. What's your score prediction after 90 minutes for that one? I think it'll be tighter than most people think. I think it'll be 2-1, Sheffield. You'll take that, Kemp, won't you? All day, every day, twice on Sundays. I like it. I like it. Well, I did. I, I, I thought, yeah, I, just, on, I, thought about going for, I thought about going for more goals after the whole um, Rex and debacle, but I think, you know, like you say, plays in the semi-final, it, you know, it's going to be edgy. No one's really going to be wanting to go out, and so I think Make less goals. Yeah. I like it, I like it, yeah. Kemp will definitely... Kemp, what's your plan with you being in London Saturday? Is it a, a radio job on the way home or is it watch it down there somewhere then come back? No, no, so um, it's... Uh, London's a day trip, so driving oh, home yeah, after course the is, yeah. tube, tube back to East Finchley tra- uh, tube station and then uh, drive home from there, so it's going to be a late one. It's also Mother's Day on Sunday and um, my... In a bit of personal news, I think we're expecting my nephew to come on Sunday as well. So I it's I you were going to say someone had died or something. Then, no, 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 not at all, not at all. So, so yeah, it's it's going to be a bit of a hectic weekend. So I tried to sort tickets out, but it's I think I think it's going to be a little bit too busy. So it'll probably be a, a telly job or or something like that. But yeah, looking forward to it nonetheless. Yeah, fair enough, mate. To be fair, if you're not going to get back from London until stupid o'clock and it's a 12 o'clock... Well, that was it. I was looking at tickets yesterday and I thought, you know, we're not going to get back home until, you know, the early hours of the morning. 12 o'clock kick-off, am I going to feel up to getting up, driving to Bramall Lane? You know, it's not worth it, is it? So, yeah, we'll watch it on telly and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get it done, I'm sure. Yeah, save it for the trip to Wembley. Um, and your third and final score prediction, completing your six questions, is uh, the second of three FA Cup games on Sunday. Manchester United versus Fulham. What's your score prediction for that? Is there a cup set on the cards or Manchester United are going to carry on their fantastic cup form? Yeah, I, I, I literally just finished watching them um, and, and they, look, they look good. So I've gone for three now. Three now. Interesting. A lot. Could, I thought could be more. for a bit closer there. No, I don't think so. I think United have, you know, they, they want to, they want to get a couple of trophies, don't they? Or at least a trophy, and this is as good a chance as they've got in any of them. Yeah, that's it. I, I fancy a, a cup treble. I do, but we'll we'll see. But yeah, I, I think they will win. 
at some point you've got to think they're going to start getting a bit tired with all the games they're playing. But international break coming up after the game on Sunday, I'm sure Eric will be going all out to, uh, yeah. to try and get to the semi-final. But no, that's fair, mate. So just to confirm then, your six, you've got uh, Chelsea as you lock at home to Everton in that Saturday evening kickoff. Uh, Macaulay Langstaff to score for Notts County. Chesterfield to win away at Woking as your wild card. And then your three score predictions. We've got Derby to beat Fleetwood 3-1. Definitely sticking with that, yeah? Definitely. <laughs> like it. Sheffield United to beat Blackburn <laughs> 2-1. And Man United yeah. to beat Fulham 3-0. So, uh, a solid six there on paper, mate. As Adam mentioned earlier, Chris and Paul with a top score of three. That's your score to pick. And as always, we'll, we will review them early next week on our review show. And I wish you the very best of luck. Um, Thank you very much. Before we finish this segment and get stuck into Kempi's Combat Corner, which I, I believe you're going to join us for to talk about the, uh, the the activities and the festivities coming up this weekend in London, uh, I'm going to ask you the question that we ask everyone to close off the listener lock-in, and that is, who is your sporting hero and why? Oof, she sprung that one on me. Um, Jeez. <laughs> that's, that's a really tricky one because yeah, I look at it from a, a fighting background or from a footballing background. I would probably give, say, give us a bit of both if if there's two that stand out and you can't split them. It, 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 from a fighting background, it would have to be John Jones, without a doubt. The the, yeah, the, the greatest fighter that I've ever seen, and I would include boxing in that. I've never seen anybody be so good at the sport and nobody come. He's had a couple of close fights, but has he really? You know. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you told Dominic Reyes that he's not had a couple of close fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, and also Thiago Santos as well. But mm-hmm. you know, what does it say on his record? <laughs> the Gustafsson fight was the fight that got me into UFC. That was the one that I was like, wow. The, and then the first that was one, that, the original one, yeah. Yeah, and that was my yeah. love affair with John Jones starting um, from a football inside. You can't look past Gaza, can you? Cult hero, you know, yeah. one of the greatest to ever grace the pitch. Um, you know, could have done a lot more, but would he be the hero he is today had he not have had, you know, the, the cult side to him? So I would have to say yeah. Gaza on that side. Yeah, I love that. That's a new answer, mate, for, on both counts, to be fair, and uh, and really good reasons behind why. I must mate, admit I, as well, and I must on. admit, and maybe this is a, a small window into Joe's personality, but two <laughs> absolutely wild blokes. Wild. <laughs> yeah, that'd be some party, <laughs> wouldn't it? Oh, they are wild motherfuckers. If you tell me who's the wildest motherfucker from MMA and the wildest guy from football... They will be my two answers there. So fair play to you, Joe. I like that. Yeah. I rate it. Maybe that was like a subconscious thing. I didn't even think about it. A peek into <laughs> yeah. your soul, perhaps. A peek into <laughs> your soul. Love the character. But no, classmate, again, thanks for coming on, mate. Been a pleasure. Uh, and we'll be back shortly to uh, Kemp. I'm sure you're ready, mate. You might need a quick break, but it's time to talk you. lie down in a dark room. Oh, God. <laughs> At the O2 Arena in London. Welcome back to episode 39 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for another edition of Kempi's Combat Corner. Thank you very much, Adam, and we welcome our special guest to Kempi's Combat Corner today. Joe, how are we doing, mate? You okay? 
I'm all good, pal. I'm all good. Yeah, he's good, fucking good, excited good. to talk some UFC. Oh, <laughs> mate, who isn't? Who fucking isn't? Because finally, finally, the UFC has touched down. It has landed. It has picked up its baggage from the carousel. UFC 286 is back in Blighty, back in the UK, back in the big smoke, London, England, um, on Saturday, the 18th of March, um, in the O2 Arena. Um and it's Leon Edwards, the, the UFC welterweight champion of the world, a Birmingham boy, a British boy, defending his welterweight championship against the former pound-for-pound pound number one and undisputed welterweight champion, Kamaro, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman. Joe, how excited are you for this card? It's it's one of those, it's, but you know, when it's a card and it's you don't have to stay up until half, four, five o'clock in the morning. Just <laughs> it's always a bonus. Extra, it just gives you that extra bit of excitement because, you know, no matter what happens, you're going to be awake for it. And, when you set to record and you know you're watching it with a cup of coffee in the morning, it's just not got that quite the same sort of feel to it. Mm. Which is why yeah. I'm a barbarian and stay up till six o'clock in the morning every time there's a big fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done it. You just pay for it the day after. Yeah, and absolutely. the day after that, the older you and get. The day after that, and the day after that, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> Monday of, morning for it's a killer in it. Creep, yeah, creeping up towards thirty now, regardless of what Dawson's um, loaded sport interviews say. Um, <laughs> creeping up to thirty rather than the other side of it, and every single time I do stay up for for the fights, it gets tougher and tougher every time. So yeah. I'm going to start, and I usually start with the the prelims and talk about a few up and coming fighters and promising fighters, and there are a few. On the yep. on the prelims this weekend, but I'm going to start with the main event. I'm going to start okay. with the 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 prime billing, um, the welterweight championship of the world. The 170 pound belt is on the line between the new champion Leon Edwards, Leon Rocky Edwards, the British born, Brit well Jamaican born British uh, champion of the world, and Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare Usman. Did you watch the first fight live? What 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 were your thoughts on it and what are your thoughts on on the, the the trilogy? I say the first fight, the second fight. What what are second your thoughts fight. on the trilogy fight coming up this weekend? Um, a lot of people that I talk to say, well, you know, it's going to be Usman's fight because you know he was winning twenty minutes out of twenty five, and Leon just got lucky. But I've seen plenty of dominant fighters lose the belt, get knocked out for the first time, and come back, and they don't just have that same. It's not the same thing about them being knocked out like that changes you a lot as a fighter, mm. especially when you've never been done it before. It's never happened to you before. He lost his belt. He lost his pound for pound number one ranking. He's on away territory. You can have 15,000 British he people. Lost, he lost He lost consciousness. Lost a few <laughs> things yeah. in that fight. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And it's, and again, Leon didn't look anything like Leon usually looks against him. It, you know, I think... If I was to bet on it, which I probably will, I think Leon's a great bet to have. I think it's, it's just stacked just right for him. Don't get me wrong, Usman's Usman, and he, you know he, he's hard to beat. We've seen that when he's tried to, when everyone else has tried to beat him. I just think a lot's changed in his life, and to come back from that is a big step. Hmm. And you mentioned there the the, the second fight, um, just to sort of give people context, the, the two fought a few years back um, when neither of them were main eventers or champions and, and Kamaru Usman won that fight. It was a three-round fight and won by decision. Um, they then rematched 
this last um when was it in june i think it was or it was his last summer i think yep 2022 for the um undisputed welterweight championship of the world in salt lake city utah where um leon edwards as you mentioned there joe was losing the fight convincingly um there were a lot of talk on commentary that, you know, he'd accepted his fate. I mean, I, I was quoted as saying that he should be banned from any future title shots because it looked as though he was literally just coasting to the finish line. And his corner said that to him. He said, you've yeah. got to pull this shit out of the fire. You know, come on, Leon, what's up with you? What's up with you? So yeah. he did. He pulled it out of the fire. He won the fight. But you mentioned there he, he didn't look like his normal self. You know, he, he he's usually very active throughout the course of the fight. He, he, his, his conditioning is very, very good. Um, a lot of people, and Leon's actually put this down to the elevation in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. So when fighting and training at altitude, um, the air is thinner. And it's a lot more difficult to catch your breath and, and for your respiratory and cardiovascular systems to work as efficiently. Um, and the elevation levels in Salt Lake City are almost 1,300 metres above sea level. At the O2 Arena in London, it's right next to the Thames. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> It's absolutely sea level. There's no elevation. There's, you know, that 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 is absolutely not going to play a part. Do you buy into that? Do you think that is part of it? Or do you think Usman just wore him out and Leon just got tired? What what do you think was the situation there? And and like you say, you think Leon is a good bet. Do you think that is likely to happen again this weekend? I think on the list of things of why Leon was fighting how he was, I think the altitude comes quite far down that list. I think... It was, you know, it was his big day. He'd been waiting for it for what, four years, three, four years. Like people waiting were calling a long for time. Mm. People were calling for that title shot, you know, two, three years before he got it, and he was finally there. And you know, he took that first round. He took Usman down, which is no mean feat. And then all of a sudden, I think he just thought, shit, you know, I, I'm really here. I'm trying, you know, this is my time to win the belt. And he just, I, I think more than anything, he froze. You could mm. see when he was going back to his corner and sitting on the stool, he was like vacant. And I know he's not he's not the chattiest of people, is he? And he's not, you know, one of these brash fighters, but he just sat on his bench, uh, sat on his stool and he just looked like, you know, the occasion had got to him. Mm. Um, mm. But then again, like you say, he's fighting Kamara Usman, who, who at the time, and he still is, probably top three fighter in the world. You know, he, he's, he's better than anyone he's ever faced before. Lucky shot, you might call it a lucky shot. You've got to be there to get that lucky shot. I, yeah, I no, would, I, yeah. Go on, sorry. No, it's just no. Go on after you. Yeah, no, I I just think like like you mentioned about the altitude. I think it's a it's a good thing to talk up before a fight, saying, "Oh, the reason I wasn't fighting for potentially this altitude." I think that's probably smoke and mirrors. I think there's a lot more to mm. it than that, and I think it was more, you know, the. The big day, you know, it was his big day after however many years. He started slipping behind and thought, well, you know, I will take this, I will take it, we'll, we'll go down with a um, decision loss. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand that. And you mentioned there it, it, that some people are saying it was a lucky shot, some people are saying this and that. Um, in my opinion, there's, there's no such thing as luck, especially when it comes to MMA. Leon set up that shot. They, they were working on that shot in, in, in the camp. Um, the, the the corner actually. I don't know if you've heard of the the sound recordings from Leon Edwards's corner in that fight. Yeah, they, heard them, yeah, they yeah. shouted for the kick, you know, just before yeah. it happened. So yeah, I, I think it, it was maybe Usman coasting to the end, and and Leon 
you know, like like you, we said, you know, did pull it out the fire in the end and, and got that got that result. So I'm going to kind of put my gun to your head now. And and you mentioned Leon. You don't think he's a bad bet. You didn't specifically say that you were backing Leon. You just said you don't think he's a bad bet. So now I am going to put you on the spot. Who do you think comes away with the victory this weekend and by what method between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman? Truthfully, I think uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick a round, but I think a, a TKO um, stoppage uh, for Leon Edwards. Fantastic. And that would be amazing if it did happen. And I really hope yeah. it does. Yeah. Dawson, you've joined me on a few Kempi's combat corners uh, in the past few weeks. Yeah, good. Thank you. Are you? Um, yeah. And and you, obviously, when it's a big UFC fight and a big event, you'll you'll always follow it, do a little bit of research and, 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 and have your say. So the floor is yours, mate. What do you think to this fight this weekend? And who do you think comes out with the, with the hand raised and by what method? Um, I've not on this occasion got a huge amount to say to be honest because I would only look silly talking in and amongst you pair who are clearly very knowledgeable and passionate about it but it's it's clear that there's a big build up it's clear that it's going to be a big occasion you know what I'm like for you know sort of hot crowds and stuff like that it's it's going to be amazing it's going to be right up there with the with the Australia um, card a, a few weeks back in terms of passion for, for support for someone and, and I can't wait to hear what kind of reception Edwards gets but it, again, sort of guns to my head if I have to predict, which, you know, we always have the joke that I'm rarely wrong and somehow seem to be quite successful in picking what will happen despite not really having that much knowledge on it. Uh, I'm going to go Usman decision. Mm. Yeah, there's, and there's, there's a few, and there's a few people, yeah, and there's, there's absolutely a few people saying that that is very, very likely to happen. I am extremely torn. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to think. On one hand, I think I, I agree completely with you, Joe, that that Leon, maybe the occasion got the better of him last time, but this time, maybe because he's fighting in front of his home people, his, his hometown, he's the champion, he's maybe got a bit more confidence. Maybe that, that works to his advantage. On the flip side of that, I have seen Leon this week look very relaxed and very almost on the brink of lackadaisical in, in some respects. Um, yeah. He's been very, very chilled. He's, he's, you know, really enjoying himself as the welterweight champ. And that's brilliant. You know, that's great. But Andy Ruiz, who beat Anthony Joshua. I was literally thinking about That was who I was thinking of when you were talking about that. And, you know, he beat Anthony Joshua and he just, he wanted to be the heavyweight champion. He was the heavyweight champion. So he was happy. And some aspects of Leon Edwards' attitude and his answers to, you know, interview questions and stuff this week and in the build-up to the fight have given me a little bit of Andy Ruiz vibes in the sense that he's just wanted to be the champion and now he is the champion. He's sort of happy. He's delivered that. So that's sort of right. him done. On the flip side, Kamara Usman has sort of put it out there that he doesn't think that he's got many fights left. Um, he has had historically he's just come off surgery i think for his hand and he's also um had problems with his knees for a very long time that, knees you know, are a mess. Not, yeah that not a lot of people are, are aware of um kamara usman can't run he, he can't do cardio running anymore because his knees are, are that fucked up um so i think if leon is smart and, and targets those knees as weak points and throws a lot of leg kicks to to, to usman's you know leading leg it could be different. Edwards could chew his leg up and, and finish him. And also, 
the other aspects of it, Joe, is exactly what you mentioned, that Kamar Usman has never been knocked out in his entire life, in his entire career. The only other defeat on his record was his second MMA fight and he got beaten by a rear naked choke, a standing rear naked choke, if that, uh, and he wasn't put out, he tapped. So does that change the the psychology? Does that change Usman's confidence levels? Does that mean that he's going to zig when he should zag? He's going to be so, he's going to be hesitant because Leon sent him to the shadow realm before. Is he scared <laughs> that Leon's going to send him to the shadow realm again? There's so many narratives and and storylines coming into this fight, and well, does, doesn't it doesn't it say a lot for you that he was talking of boxing Canelo and now he's going now he's talking yeah, about having I mean, maybe one or just, two fights left. That was yeah, that was just a fucking circus. I mean, the, the past few years when it comes to crossover boxing and stuff, ever since McGregor Mayweather, it's always been you know a, a top UFC fighter. How would they get on against a top you know? Uh, boxing champion in their respective division. You've heard about it with Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury and all that crap. So, yeah. yeah, that's not something that I ever put credence into. But, yeah, it is quite funny that he was saying that he wanted to box Canelo. And then, like you say, Rocky uh, sent him to the shadow realm, which which is quite funny. So, <sighs> gun to my head, following my heart and not my head, uh, I'm going to go with a Kamaro Usman decision. Um, and it'll just be a case of he'll lie on the ground, he'll wrestle him, he'll keep him in full guard, and Leon will will, will struggle to, uh, to 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 keep the fight standing and keep it in his comfort zone, which is on the feet. So that is what I'm going to predict. I gotta hope it doesn't happen. Gotta hope Leon Edwards does get the victory again, and 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 London goes absolutely ballistic, uh, because as I mentioned, I will be there to go ballistic with them. <laughs> So I, I'm really hoping that that does happen. But yeah, I've, I've got to put, put my realistic head on when it comes to Kempi's combat corner and say that that is my prediction. Just a couple of other fights to mention then before we do uh, move on to, to the other business of the day. Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fizeyev on in the uh, co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division. What do you think to this fight, Joe? Surely this is going to be as an absolute that's, barn burner, as Kempi yeah, says. That's your uh, fight of the night. Oh my god, that's going to be crazy! What are your thoughts on this one? I I love Justin Gaethje, and he's a great fighter. But it's his greatest tool is his wrestling, and I've never seen him use it. <laughs> he just I think I think he just enjoys the pain of you know standing and just getting hit. He, he takes one to give one, and you know it, it makes him a fan favorite. But he's an all he's an all American Division One wrestler, mm. and I can't remember the last time I saw him try and wrestle somebody. Yeah, given and, that, go on. Given that, if he does try and stand and bang with Fiziev, I think Fiziev knocks him out. Yeah, and I think it's quite obvious, in my opinion, that that's what will happen. The amount of times that you've seen Justin Gaethje, where you know he could go more sort of hard in the paint than than he should, or, or than he has. Is maybe the Tony Ferguson fight was the only fight where he could have gone a little bit more crazy than he did. He was a little yeah. bit more restrained in that fight and did end up getting Tony Ferguson out of there. But like you say, every other fight that he's been in in the UFC, Jesus Christ, it's it's <laughs> crazy occasion every time Justin Gaethje steps into that cage. Um, yeah, as you mentioned there as well, All American Division One wrestler like crazy crazy background and and crazy accomplishments in in the wrestling game um and and yeah he, he never uses it he he uses his chin as his first line of defense which is not not a bad thing for the uh, for the for the for the for the fan but 
maybe a bad thing for his brain, but you know, <laughs> that's, we'll, we'll see down the road. So I completely agree with you. I can't disagree with anything that you've said. I think if it does end up going to a stand and a bang contest, which with Justin Gaethje nine times out of 10, it will. Rafael Fizayev will will knock him out. He's got a, a very strong background in Muay Thai and kickboxing. Um, and I think he's just a little bit quicker, a little bit sharper than Justin. Justin's got a little bit of wear and tear now. He's 34. You know, he's had a very, very, he's, as, as we mentioned, he's had a few very difficult fights um, that have probably taken a little bit out of him. So, yeah, I, I think Rafael Fizayev also will get the job done this weekend. Um, another couple that I just want to mention quickly, um, uh, a couple of uh, prospects on the the undercard, uh, namely Mohamed Mukayev, uh, a Dagestani-born um, UK fighter fighting out of Manchester, England. Um, yep. He's ten and oh with a well nine well ten fights, nine wins, and one no contest, but twenty three wins from his twenty three fights in the amateurs as well. So a very promising young fighter. He's only uh, twenty two years of age, born in the year two thousand. I don't know if you've seen or heard much of Mohamed Makayev. Um, what are your thoughts? He's number 12 in the UFC flyweight rankings. Are you looking forward to seeing what he's got this weekend? Maybe a little bit more exposure than you've potentially seen before? Or I've got I've got a little Makayev story. Um, so oh, okay. we went to, me and a few of my friends went to watch a show. Um, and I'm talking, Makayev must have been 16 at the time, 17. Yeah, yeah. And, I've got I've got to give props to my friend George. He said we were literally watching all the fights, and you know these like house shows. There were some really poor fights. Yeah. And uh, Makayev fought, and he and he said he's going to be great years. And to the point where he, he wrestled through the crowd to get a selfie with him, and he's got a selfie from years and years ago with Makayev. And he's that's class. I think he was I think he was like four or five and out at the time. And we've watched him come through every organization just because you know because we saw him that day. But yeah, yeah, he, he's got another four or five fights before. Anybody, well, maybe not four or five. But if he goes at the break, he's going. He's got two or three more fights before anyone starts to give him any trouble. Yeah, he's- no, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, he, he's a very, very promising young contender. And the, the reason I ask, you know, and I don't want, don't want to feel like I'm disrespecting your knowledge of the, the of MMA, but the reason I ask if if you've you've seen or you've been introduced much to Mohammed Makayev is because. Not many people have so far, so it's great yeah. that you've got that story and that that you've seen him live and that you know you, you've followed his career ever since because a lot of people don't quite know who he is uh, just yet. You know, he is only like I say t- ten fights deep into his professional career, so there's plenty of time. So I'm assuming you're thinking he's going to get the job done this weekend, then. Yeah, I mean the thing about it is as well, you know, you get these Dagestanis when you see you look at old um, Khabib fights and he came in and his striking was <clears throat> so subpar compared to his wrestling. And Makayev, instead of doing that, he's gone to Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand and he's, you know, he's out there learning Muay Thai with the best in the world. Mm. And, he, you know, he's, he's rounding every aspect of his game. He, he will be your champ at some point. It mm. just, it just takes me that long. But this weekend, without a doubt, that's, I, I'm, I'm not sure what his odds will be. He'll probably be six, seven to one on, but yeah. that's the easiest money he'll make this weekend. Imagine. Strong faith. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, and absolutely, and and the only the only thing I've got to disagree with you there is, uh, yes, he was born in Dagestan, but surely, mate, we're, we're we're claiming him as a UK fighter now. Surely, we're claiming him as did, one of our own. <laughs> did you see all the Did you see all the stories that he had with the home office? He tried to uh, he tried to kick him out a few years ago. What are they playing at? 
Why would you do that? <laughs> because, because he tried to represent the UK in wrestling. At, I can't remember what Olympics it was. Yeah. And um, they wouldn't let him. And then they tried to kick him out of the country because he didn't have any form. You know, he wasn't a plumber or an electrician. He didn't have a trade. And he was like, well, no, I'm trying to be a world champion for you. And they were like, and he, he managed to stay by like the skin of his teeth. Well, thank God that he did because he is yeah. a young prospect that looks like they will potentially bring home UFC gold to the UK. And um, yeah, one more, that. you, yeah, one more UK fighter I want I want to talk to you about just before we do move on is uh, Jack Shaw. Um, he is a young, uh, well, I say young. He's, he's twenty eight, so he's my well, nearly my age, but he's young <laughs> in his uh, in his UFC career at this point in time. Uh, he is fighting this weekend, fighting out of Wales. It was a, a tough old night for him last time. He lost um, in New York in, in July of 2022 against Ricky Simon. But before yeah. that was 16-0 and undefeated and a very, very promising young uh, British fighter. He also won by unanimous decision on the, uh, the Volkov card the last time the UFC was in the UK in London. So your thoughts on Jack Shaw's fight this weekend against Makwan Amakani? Um. I think I think he's got a nice fight there because it's a hometown fight. As as far as we're talking, you know, going ahead to be a champion, he's he's in a he's in a division that's full of killers. You know, Makayev's in a division that maybe not stacked with as many killers. So, you know, that featherweight division is just an absolute, you know, it's just wall to wall animals. And if you think about it, is you've got Arnold Allen in there as well, who's I would probably say that's slightly a bit better than him. I think he gets the win this weekend, but I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to push for a title, in my opinion, at any point. Yeah, no, I, w- I would agree. And it- it'll be good. It'll be a real feel-good moment for him this weekend to hopefully get himself a win. Um, in-, in It's not... not- technically his hometown but as close to his hometown he's probably going to get in terms of fighting (laughs) but no I mean you've got like you've said featherweight Alexander Volkanovsky is so strong and he's such a good fighter he's such a strong um, dominant fighter that you think oh it's Volk and then the rest of the decision's pretty pretty shit you know the division's pretty shit it's really not you know you've got it's an no. absolute killer's row in the featherweight division there's, there's people like Bryce Mitchell who unfortunately after you know they did lose the last fight against Ilya Taporia but still an unbelievable fighter Taporia as we mentioned um Arnold Allen, as you've just mentioned there, Yair Rodriguez, Alexander Volkanovsky, and that's not even mentioning former title winners and challengers, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, um, Jung, Jung Chang Sung, and, and the rest of them, yeah. the Korean Zombie, and the rest of them. So, yeah, it's a killer's row in the featherweight division. I don't expect um, that, that Jack Shaw will sort of get to that particular level, but I, I do think it will be a good, uh, good fight this weekend and hopefully a feel-good moment this weekend if he does pick up the win. Just before we do let you go, are there any other yep. fights this weekend that you're, you're looking forward to? Anything else that, that's really catching your eye on from the card this weekend that you want to quickly discuss? Or um, just, I mean, there's a good Gunny Nelson's fighting. You know, he, he's on the wind down now. It would be nice to see yeah. him to get a win before he before he sort of sets off into the sunset. Because you know, I, I don't know how old he is, but he's, he's certainly getting on in the in the age. And you know, yeah, Gunny Nel- Nelson's given us some great fights over the years, and it'd be nice to see him to get a win. You know, on a big card before, because let's face it, win or lose, this is like last big card main event. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's 34. So in, in UFC and MMA terms, he's, he's not 
he's not ridiculously old, but yeah, he, he's not had the best time of it in the past few uh, few years. He has lost against, you know, top, top fighters and top contenders, Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, who we've discussed earlier as well, Ponzinibbio, Damian Meyer, um, and he's, he's picked up some decent wins as well. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is kind of a... Um, a swan song as regards fighting in the UK for Gunny Nelson against Brian Barbarada. It'll be a very good fight. Both fighters that probably aren't going to be welterweight champions in the future, but it'll yeah. be a fantastic fight nonetheless. And, and looking forward to seeing Gunny Nelson in action once again, representing um, SBG, representing uh, his 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 Icelandic roots also, um, uh, and representing uh, you know, the, the European scene as, as best that he possibly can. Um, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on KP's Combat Corner this week. This week, um, are, are you going to be watching the fights this weekend? I imagine you'll be uh, you'll be sat down uh, or you, in your comfy cosies watching it this Saturday night. Yeah, that's it. Going out for a few beers in the day and then ensuring ensuring that I'm back in time for it all to kick off. Like it, like it. Well, I think the main card starts at 7pm, if I'm not mistaken. So get yourself settled in and uh, yeah, we don't have to wait until uh, stupid o'clock in the morning for this one. So yeah, <laughs> thanks again for uh, for joining me on KP's Combat Corner. It's been a real pleasure and, and hopefully no we'll, uh, we'll have you back on the uh, on the podcast and on the segment very, very soon. Adam? Perfect. Yes, lads. Thank you very much. Excellent insight into this weekend's combat action. In just a few moments time, we'll be back to discuss the final week of the Six Nations. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 39 of Loaded Sport. We're now going to talk about the final week of the Six Nations. And for some England fans, they may sit there now thinking, finally, it's over. We can get ready for the next one. Uh, the final week takes place this Saturday. Uh, Scotland against Italy is the first game at 12.30. So, Skin, I'm going to come across to you first, just looking at the uh, Six Nations table at the moment. Um, it is pretty much, as everyone predicted, between Ireland and France for who's going to walk away um, with the crown at the end of it. Ireland, of course, with a chance to get um, a Grand Slam, if, Grand of course, slam, they yeah. are to be England. But we'll start by talking uh, Scotland-Italy. Italy at the bottom at the moment, having lost to Wales last weekend. Scotland, third place, a bit of an overachievement for what some people may have expected from them. Yeah, I think so. In, in the table, they're not too far behind France. They're, they're tied with England on points, but we knew that England were going to be in a bit of transition period. So I think overall they'll look at it positively, a very good campaign. But I think with the three games this weekend, in terms of a combined three, they're the most, they're probably the easiest to call, aren't they? Each week I think there's been one that could have gone either way. But I can't really see anybody whatsoever going with anything other than a Scotland-France-Ireland treble this weekend. I don't know if either of you think any differently. I don't. I think that's you kind of hit the nail on the head there, yeah. Um, England just haven't been quite up to it. Wales have been poor. It's not really been, isn't for the final week, any games that you can look at and think, you know what, that's actually going to be quite close. But for France to win it, they need to beat Wales and then um, England, of course, beat Ireland, which would be a huge upset. But Ireland, just how, how sweet is it going to be for them if they get the win against England and complete the Grand Slam by doing so? So sweet. Well, that's that then. Kemp, any thoughts from you towards anything other than Scotland, France, Ireland? 
No, no, I'm absolutely in agreement with the uh, with the results um, as, as you've as you've sort of predicted them. I do think Ireland are sort of the, probably the number one team in rugby at the moment. The, the World Cup's coming coming up later in the year, and I think Ireland have to be strong favourites or, or strong contenders to to do really well in that tournament as well. Um, what a, what a tournament they've had so far! What a fantastic. Um, few weeks it's been and a few couple of months it's been for them when it comes to the rugby they've been very very impressive they've got 66 points difference um played four games won four games um they've been dominant in pretty much every single game and like, like you boys have said i can't see that changing this weekend so all credit to ireland fair play to them um st paddy's day coming up as well so i'm sure they'll uh They'll, they'll celebrate the Six Nations as well as St Paddy's Day on uh, a Friday. Uh, this, fr- this Friday, actually, tomorrow is St Paddy's Day. So, yeah, they'll, is, they'll be able right. to celebrate that tomorrow. And then they'll be able to celebrate the Six Nations with victory this weekend with a Grand Slam and uh, and all the marbles. So, congratulations oh, well, to Ireland some, already. Yeah, there'll be some ales sunk this weekend. There will be some Guinness Saturday sunk this weekend, won't there? There will be some, yeah, some stouts sunk this weekend, most definitely. Most definitely. And we're that confident in England's team that we're already congratulating Ireland and the game hasn't even been played. So there we go. Uh, We will move on then to discuss the Formula One. The start of the new Formula One season took place last weekend in Bahrain. uh, Sorry, two weeks ago in Bahrain. Unsurprisingly, Max Verstappen finished at the top in qualifying and at the top in uh, the race as well, followed shortly behind by Sergio Perez. Not too many would have predicted what went off with Ferrari, though. And, of course, Charles Leclerc now goes into this weekend's Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia with at least a 10-place grid penalty um, after there's been quite a few issues with his engine already. Skin, is this just another predictable way of Ferrari having their cons- uh, having their reliability errors and it costing them dearly? Yeah. I mean, w- how many times did we speak last season about how it was costing Leclerc and even during races, like, what are they doing? They're doing it again. They're costing him. They should be winning. They should be getting more points. How can they do this? How can a, such a top-tier team in the biggest motorsport in the world keep having these problems and before the first race had even started they were changing their engine of which we're only allowed to do twice across the whole season it's just it, yeah they've made changes to the backroom staff and I, I suppose it comes down to ultimately where does the responsibility lay with these issues that keep happening i don't know the answer to that question i don't know if you do but at what point do they have to go like if we're serious about coming back into contention with a battling for second place with the Mercedes and keep progressing to the point where in two, three years' time, you know, Leclerc is really is the is the max of the sport, is really pushing for that championship. They're never gonna get there. They were never gonna get there if they carry on like this. And they had it so many times last season and the end of the season was meant to be a clean slate and we go again and we improve. And just by improving on those rookie errors alone, we're gonna be such a better team and it's already happening. It, I don't really know what they can do to to sort that because as far as I'm aware they they've made changes already and and it's it's still happening and on top of that it's happening sooner than what it did last season when they couldn't stop fucking up. Yeah, like you said last year it was the strategy issues this year it's the reliability of the engine and that's only after race 1 so like you said then you only get two for the entire season 
He's already used those two up in the first race and weekend. So now, any time over the next 21 races, 22 if you include this weekend, any changes he's going to make, he's going to take this penalty. It's already shooting Ferrari in the foot before things start. And considering about a week ago, George Russell sat down and said that he felt that Max Verstappen was going to win every race this season. And he wouldn't be surprised if Verstappen and Red Bull got a clean sweep. And I don't think that's ever been done. But could you imagine if that did happen on the back of, George Russell, one of their closest competitors, believe in that. Ferrari having these engine issues that they're already kind of sitting there thinking, how are we going to keep up with this Red Bull? Sitting here thinking. What? What? Sitting here thinking. Right, okay. But how is, what, what's the situation going to be for Formula One then? Because they've obviously increased the calendar. They've tried to in- increase interest in it trying to get it as close as possible, competitive within the cars. It looks like it's going to be another dominant season from Red Bull. Even more so that their competitors believe that after race one. What do you think, Aggie? You always ask me the questions, mate. What about? Why don't you answer your own question for once? Let's get your thoughts on the matter. I think it's going to make the sport incredibly boring. I think I've said that for a while. One of the reasons why I didn't like uh, Lewis Hamilton was that it was dominant. I didn't like the fact that, of course... He left us to Mercedes anyway, but what I didn't like about the sport was that it it was a clear win for Mercedes. It was a clear win for Lewis Hamilton all those years. That's why I, I kind of lost a little bit of interest. I told you and Gaz at the time, didn't I, that I've lost interest in the sport. I don't mind who wins. I really don't care who wins as long as it's an interested, entertaining race and they're going to be battling for it. I think two years ago they did that. Verstappen and Hamilton took it down to the wire. And now it seems to be like a complete crossover. That was the passing of the torch. Now Verstappen's ran with it and Hamilton's struggling. So for me, I think it's just going to make the sport relatively boring, and it, the idea of can I just in... can I just very quickly into like just very very put my outsider looking in very very quickly very quickly put my my perspective on here. Just one thing I'm going to take umbrage with Adam for saying there. You mentioned that Professor. that that particular um, sort of course of events is going to make the sport of Formula One very boring. Yeah. What do you mean make? <laughs> I was gonna say he's about to say it already is. That's enough. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. See you next week, everyone. No, I think it's quite no. entertaining when the the cars are close and it's a lot of strategy. And if you're interested in the strategy and that sort of stuff, then you're going to be interested in in the motorsport. But if you're and, not, and it was not not necessarily last season. Last season was a very convincing win for Max. But the season before that, I was a massive F1 fan for a very long time. I'd say sort of in my early to mid-20s, there, there were not a lot of races that I missed. You know, we're talking the the Fernando Alonso's and the Renault's and Vettel in Red Bull, and that's why I'm a Red Bull fan, because of that era of him and Weber and, you know, Jensen Button winning it in, in the Braun and Lewis Hamilton winning his first championship in that race in Brazil uh, with Timo Glock in the tyre situation, all that kind of stuff. Like, I was a massive fan, but with the domination of Mercedes and Hamilton, I just stopped watching because it, it was pointless you were watching something where you already knew the outcome every single week. So what was the point? Because you weren't watching anything. You weren't watching it for any reason, really, because there was no excitement. You knew what was going to happen. So what was the point? And with that season, uh, not last year, but the season before, so that'll be what, the 2021 season, that battle between Lewis and Max really brought me back into the sport. I started to play the games again, which I'd done for years and then hadn't for a very long time. I was watching qualifiers. I was watching, you know, just about every race. Uh, and then, as we know, ultimately came down to the last race and, and the last lap and the controversy in Abu Dhabi around that. So I do get Kent's 
thoughts there from someone outside looking in who's never really been a massive F1 fan because I've got that opinion having been a, an F1 fan for a, a large portion of my sort of young adult life. And if for that reason, I came away from it. And it was that one season where it was close. Yes, it was still only two drivers that were in the race. It wasn't three, four, maybe five really battling it out. It, it was just purely because it just wasn't the same person. And that's not anything against Hamilton. He, he's done fantastic to have the career he's had. And they had the best car. He was the best driver. They're going to win. But it gets boring very quickly. So... Yeah, they've made a lot of rule changes, haven't they, Adam, over the last few years to try and make it a bit more equal or to encourage overtaking and closer races and more exciting races, especially now they're really cracking into the American market. We've spoke about that before with the, the success that the Drive to Survive Netflix documentary has had for them in terms of growing in America. They've now got three races in America um, in the space of a couple of well they've expanded to that in the space of a couple of years just off the back of the success of that documentary so uh, i hope with that and with more eyes on the sport if it does go back to dominating 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 as much as i want to see max win as much as i want to see red bull win that's going to get boring very quickly and even myself i will start to drift away from it again and even this season like i'm, I'm thinking it's saudi arabia at the weekend like FA Cup's going to be on, so it's not even going to be a second thought about what I'm going to watch. So I really hope that isn't the case. But at this point, after only one race, we said it before the race, I was that confident that Max would win, Max would get pole, Max is going to win the championship, as is Red Bull. Like, there's not really any reason for me to get too excited at the minute because we're, we're almost in the position that we, we have been for the, a few years with Lewis and Mercedes. We're at that point now with Max and Red Bull. Like, what's the point in watching when... 95% of the time, we know the outcome before it's even started. So look at this from an unbiased opinion then. Will Max break Lewis's title record and, and Schumacher's? It's hard to say. The fact that he's signed to a 10-year deal with Red Bull gives him hope. The fact that he is very young and could potentially race longer than that gives him hope, although he has said that this will likely be his last contract because there are other things that he wants to do with his life. And by that point, he would have committed a large portion of his life to Formula One and motorsport in general. So can he do it? It, it all depends on, on the calibre of car. If, it, if he has the level of car that he's had for the last couple of seasons, then, yeah, there's not really any reason why he can't. But... You would assume with the the amount of rule changes and everything that that the, the FIA have put in place to try and sort of bridge the gap between all of the teams, you would assume at some point there'll be another dominant driver or another dominant team or you know more open field. So right now it's hard to say, and and their their records are phenomenal. And if he has only got what another nine years left, and he needs to win another six championships to to beat it and another five to tie it, yeah, that's that's going to be very hard to achieve, isn't it? Okay, so let's finish it on this. This this is the third time the race is taking place in Saudi Arabia. The last two years has thrown up two different winners. Lewis Hamilton winning it in 2021, Max Verstappen in 2022. Will we see a third different winner in as many years in Saudi Arabia, or is it a given it's Max? <sighs> Sergio Perez. Right, okay. Nice. Still winning and the I'm, on, I'm only gonna go I'm I'm only gonna go with that because of Max's illness. Could that have a slight effect on his performance this weekend? Yeah. 
I think that's fair. Um, I'm not going to go with. I'm. I'm going to go with Max. I was going to think of uh, a Ferrari to go with, but I think there's just too many errors for that to be close. I don't think George Russell and Lewis Hamilton are close enough either. Either. So I'm going to uh, stand by Max for a second consecutive win um, in Saudi Arabia. Kemp, is it worth even asking? Nicky Lauder on points. Nice one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nicky Lauder by decision. There we go. Uh, lads, that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you very much for joining me, Kemp. Of course, have a cracking weekend. Hopefully on uh, Tuesday when we get to review Ooh. it all, you'll have a great story Ooh. to tell us. Ooh. And of course, the Blades will be on the way to Wembley as well. Can, can yeah, we just... I, I know I was going <laughs> to ask this on Kempy's Combat Corner, but let's just... Can we just close off with this, mate? I, I want... Mm. So you're going down Saturday, it's a day trip. Mm. I, can you please just give me... And, and our listeners that are still with us, and you know I love this, I, I get so excited for when my, my pals are doing stuff that, that make them so happy, mate. Genuinely, I'm I'm so fucking hyped for you this weekend. To That feeling when you're walking up to the arena, surrounded by thousands, thousands of fans... When you walk into the arena and you see the octagon, as it starts filling up, as the fight start, it, mate, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I've got in my eyes. I know, mate. I'm fucking selling it for you. So just for me, for my benefit, can you paint me the picture of, of Friday night to to getting back in the car to come home? What's, what's the plan? What's the schedule? Talk me yeah. through the plan. Well, I've got an early finish from work tomorrow, which is great. Uh, so I'm finishing at two tomorrow. Um, I, well, Friday, uh, as, as this goes out, uh, and I'm going to go and play play around the golf Friday afternoon. So that's that's nice. going to be a nice start to the weekend. Just calm me down a bit, just to calm me down, settle the nerves, <laughs> settle the, the excited nerves for, for for the weekend. And then I will be early night on Friday, um, picking my good friend uh, Klein up on Saturday morning. Yes, Nathaniel. Pick up time <laughs> will be no later than six a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, and then we will be driving down to East Finchley Tube Station, which is just outside of London, just south of Watford. Shout uh, out to Liam Godber for yeah, setting you up with, with those deeds. For, for the recommendation there, much appreciated on that one. Uh, we will then be parking up and getting the tube into London. Uh, I think the plan is to get off in sort of the middle of London, Leicester Square, that sort of thing. Um, Go and, and drop off at Victoria, mate, is my recommendation because it's yeah. right in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do the usual walk round and see the, you know, you're the plan. palaces and shit, then, well, then that'd be a best spot. Buckingham Palace, maybe, but I think the plan more is just to have a walk round and and just uh, take in the ambiance, as you would say. Yeah, um, yeah. If, 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 a couple of shops and stuff like that, and then a bit of food is the plan. Uh, not complete. The, you know, decision made on food just yet. I think we're sort of waiting for the inspiration to take us um, food-wise yeah, yeah. uh, when we get there. So have a bit of food uh, uh, just after lunchtime, I would imagine. And then the early prelims for the UFC start at 4pm. So we will be getting in from the very start. Um, we, we are we are the hardcore. So we'll not just be turning up for the main event like a lot of people will. Uh, we'll yep. be getting in there nice and early. So we'll be taking our. Seats. Mate, you've paid. You've paid the fucking money. You want that's every it. second of fucking yeah, action that's it. and every that's penny it. of that ticket. That's it. So yeah, we'll be getting there nice and early, four pm, watching the UFC, and then we'll be uh, back on the tube up to East Finchley, and then driving home on uh, on Saturday night slash Sunday morning with a nice lie-in and maybe a cup of coffee in bed watching Sheffield United make the uh, the FA Cup semi-final. So there we go. 
I absolutely love it. I do recommend as well, you know, try and get to the O2 maybe an hour or so before because it is a big complex. It is a little bit different to, you know, some of the arenas like we've been to together, yeah. for example. It, it is a bit more of a, an interactive and a, and a mm. engaging location. So I do recommend that getting there with enough time to have a little walk around just to take yeah. it all in before you go well, into ETA the to London get into bit, Yeah, well, ETA to get into London is just before lunchtime, so... Will or lunch time, as Adam would say. So we'll have a, a little bit of a walk round. Fuck me, you're setting off at six a.m. It's only like three hours, you know. No, but we, it takes two and a half, three hours to get to East Finchley, and then it's you know forty-five minutes to an hour on tube, isn't it? Oh, fair. But, I didn't realize it. I'm, oh, and I'm on the way down, yeah. Time. And on the you know, on, and on the way down, we're going to um, have a bit of food as well, some breakfast on the way yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so we're, we're not going to be in a rush. So we'll get to London probably just for lunch time, maybe eleven o'clock. Um, and then we'll have a, a, a bit of a walk round, and then I would imagine about you know half past two we'll sort of start making our way to the O2. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it very much, and I shall uh, I shall let you all know and, and report back uh, on Kempy's Combat Corner um, on uh, on Tuesday. So speak to you all then. Can't wait, Aggie, take us home, mate. Well, I don't really know what else to say on the back of that. That's the perfect way to end it, Kemp. Enjoy it. We look forward to it uh, next you. week.